Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Hey, if you have your Bibles turned or click to your Bibles in John chapter 19, John chapter 19 is where we're going to be hanging out today. And so John 19, we're in week number three of a series that we've called How to Live Through a Bad Day. And we're all going to have bad days, all of us. None of us are exempt from bad days. And, and truthfully, it doesn't even matter how old you are. You could be 13, 33, 53, 73. It doesn't matter. Uh, we all have bad days. Um, how many of you have had a bad day recently? Just, just how many, you know. Um, I, had a, I, had, I, I didn't have a bad day, but I had a bad little moment this week. Uh, I actually, have you guys ever been on a road where it just, it seemed like you hit every red light? I'm talking about like everyone. It just drives. Sometimes you can have a day like that, just kind of throws you off very first thing and you get kind of upset or maybe you have a bad day because, you know, the, the, the weather isn't good or maybe it's just been raining for a long time or maybe you have a bad day because something happened at work or maybe you failed a test or, or you, you know, forgot an assignment if you're a college student and you're like, oh my goodness, you have that pit in your stomach when you're like, turn in your paper and you're like, I, what paper? What paper? Nobody told me about a paper, you know? Um, and so, like, it doesn't matter what your bad day is. Here's the thing. We all have them. And sometimes they can even escalate to the point of where, you know, you figure out on one day that you have more days in your month than you do money in your bank account. But there's still more bills that are coming. That's a bad day. You know, maybe it's, it's you get an unexpected diagnosis about yourself or maybe somebody that you love. That's a bad day. Or maybe... You get that phone call, like I did. I think it was about week three of our church. I got a phone call, and it was from my dad's cell phone. And when I picked it up, it wasn't my dad. It was actually an ER nurse. And my dad was being rushed into emergency surgery. And they literally told me in a span of 10 seconds that they didn't know if he was going to live. And it was a bad day. You know, we... The truth is we're all going to have bad days. So the truth, the, the, the real question of this series is, so how do we get through them? How do we not let these bad days crush us? And here's actually the theme verse for us. And it says, it starts by saying, just keep your eyes, like stay locked in. Keep your eyes on Jesus. By the way, we, we love Jesus around here. We love Jesus. In fact, we're going to throw a big party because Jesus is alive in five weeks called Easter, and we can't wait. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in, that this thing called life that we're in, he experienced it. And it says, study how he did it. And that's what we're doing in this series. We're studying how Jesus lived life. And really what we're studying is we're studying how he lived one specific bad day because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Whatever you could throw his way, whatever bad day he experienced, he could put up with it, cross, shame, whatever. And that's actually what we're talking about. In this series, we're focusing on the day that Jesus was on the cross. And the Gospels, which is actually the first four books of the New Testament, 
they all tell this story from different angles. And in the Gospels, it talks about throughout this day that there's seven different statements that the Bible records that Jesus said from the cross. And these seven statements, they're not just, you know, just things that he just said that just don't have any meaning to our life, that not only on Good Friday, which is really, it's only good for us, not only on Good Friday was he just paying for our sins, which is awesome, by the way, but he was also teaching us very, very important life lessons along the way. And so we're looking at these seven statements and pulling out those moments and those things. And so the first two weeks of our series, we were in the book of Luke. And if you missed those, you can go back. We have audio podcasts. I encourage you to go back and listen to them. But we're actually going over to the fourth book of the Bible, John. And this is John's account in chapter 19, starting in verse 25. He writes, standing near the cross was this little uh, women's small group that was going on, okay? Uh, where Jesus' mother and his, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. There was like a little women's small group that was happening right there. And then it says this in verse 26, when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple that he loved, which by the way, that's John. He wrote this book. It's kind of weird. It's kind of a humble brag. And he says, he calls himself the disciple that he loved. But most scholars believe that he was closest to Jesus. And then Jesus said to his mom, to her, dear woman, here is your son. And then he said to John, this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. And he he says these two sentences while hanging on the cross. He recognizes his mom and these ladies and John. And he says these two statements that teach us that when you're going through a bad day, and here's what we're gonna be talking about today. If you wanna write this title down, if you wanna take some notes, it says this, be sure you've taken care of those near you. On your bad days, on my bad days, be sure you've taken care of those near you. Okay, let's pray and then we'll, we'll, we'll dig into what this has to do with our, with our day-to-day lives. Okay, God, we love you. We invite you. We don't wanna play church. We just don't wanna go through the motions, but God, we wanna walk out of here different than when we walked in. And so God, that, that needs to happen, not because we hear from a man, but we need to hear from you, God. So would you open up heaven over this place? Would you open up our hearts, every single heart, God, we, right now, we make the choice to give you permission to do whatever you want to do, whatever. We give you permission to speak to us, to, to challenge us, to take us out of our comfort zone, to give us some tangible action that we can do whenever we walk out of here so we can not just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. God, we thank you for our church. We, I thank you for every person that made a decision to, to get to church today. But God, we don't want to go through the motions. We literally want to hear from you. And so we give you permission to speak into any area of our life. We love you. And it's through Jesus we pray. And everybody said, amen. So just by, just a show of hands, like we've, we say around here a lot that church should be one of the safest places to talk about anything. So just by, just show of hands, how many of you have ever had a bad day and then you've taken it out on somebody close to you. Anybody? Now, do not look at somebody. Do not start poking ribs. We do not need to cause any marital conflict here at church today. 
Um, but it's so easy to do that, isn't it? It's so easy to like, when you have a bad day, to just make the decision, I'm gonna go on the war path to everybody that comes into my way, especially when I get home, oh man, they better have everything in line or they're gonna get it, you know? It's, it's, it, and we kind of have this, man, this mentality that if I'm having a bad day, you're gonna have a bad day, okay? Everybody's gonna have a bad day if I'm having a bad day. And that type of thinking is actually in, like embedded into our culture, almost like subconsciously. In fact, I can prove it. You Complete this sentence for me, okay? If mama ain't happy, ain't... Look at that, you see? I actually found this t-shirt that you could actually go buy online if you want to. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. If daddy ain't happy, don't nobody care, you know? <laughs> it's so true, though. It is so true. How many of you know that like often the ones that we love the most, we treat the worst. You know, that's our spouse, our kids. Sometimes that's our fiance, our boyfriend, our girlfriend. Maybe it's our, our parents or our brothers, sisters or siblings. Maybe it's our, our friends. Maybe it's our close friends that we've been friends with for a long time. Maybe it's roommates, people that we see all the time. And it's so easy for us to transfer our trials and our trauma it's so easy for us to just pass on our pain. And I think that's because of this natural lean that we have as people that hurt people hurt people. It's, it, it's almost like this, this lean that we have as people, just when we're hurt, we want to just somehow hurt other people. And so hurt people often hurt people. And especially the tragedy is, especially those closest to us. And I started like asking like, why? Why do we do that? Why do we often, especially the people closest to us, and I think it's because we know that they'll be there tomorrow. That we know that that person that we know loves us so much that we're so close to, maybe we made vows one day in front of a whole group of people and we made a decision that we were gonna love each other till the day that we die. That sometimes we treat them the worst because we know that they promise to be there tomorrow. And I'm, I'm telling you, I've had this conviction really over the past, I would say, three to four years, but I really feel like this week studying for this message has kind of gone to a, a new level that I have made the decision that I want to give those closest to me the best of me, not the worst of me. That I want to make that decision because the truth is it's so easy to do the opposite, especially on our bad days, that we give those people closest to us the worst of us and we give those that are farthest from us the best of us. It's so easy, but I don't want to be that person. I want to be somebody that gives those closest to me the best of me, not the worst of me. But in John chapter 19, we see Jesus in the middle of his bad day. And he had some of his closest people around him on that day. And we learn in this that his mom was there. We learned that somebody that he was really close to, his disciple, that he just spent the last three years of his life with, we see that he's surrounded by some of his closest people on planet Earth. But instead of taking out his bad day on them, he realized in that moment, they're having a bad day. And he refused to let the pain that he was going through blind him from being sensitive to the needs of those closest to him. And what blows me away is not only was he aware that they were having a bad day, he wasn't just aware that of their needs 
but he also cared enough to do something about it. He cared enough to do something about it, not just, not just like some other, he did it from the cross. He did it hanging through the most excruciating pain. He made it, he recognized their pain and then did something about it, even hanging from the cross. And instead of taking things out on those closest to him, he took care of those closest to him. So I was actually uh, like was studying for this message. I was reminded of a story that one of my mentors, he's a pastor, that he told me that he was talking about that, hey, there's going to be days, know that when you're going into this, there's going to be some hard days. That being a pastor, sometimes it's hard, and sometimes you just have bad Sundays. And he was like, trust me, I've had plenty. And he told me about one bad Sunday that he had. And it just kind of like, from the jump, everything was off. It's like there was bad weather. It didn't seem like there was many people that showed up. There's a lot of people that were missing. And it's just one of those rough days at, at church. And like service started. And it's like the worship team just butchered every single song and just kept shanking notes. And just the, and by the way, can we, can we clap our hands for our worship team? Aren't they phenomenal? That's not you guys, wherever you're at. It's not you guys. I'm not subtweeting you right now. But... You know, it was just like, like the worship was awful, and then it got into the message, and he was just all over the place. He was saying he was so distracted, and kind of, it's not good to preach angry, so he went up like angry after everything that was happening, and it just seemed like nothing was landing, and he was just kind of all over the place, chasing rabbits all over the, like he was just chasing rabbits, and it was very confusing. He was like, what am I saying? I don't even get what I'm saying. It was probably heresy, and so, you know, it was just... It was, it was bad. And right after church ended, all he wanted to do was get out of there. He said, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to go to the back. I don't want to say what's up to anybody in the lobby. I want to get my kids. I want to get my wife, and I want to go. So he grabbed them, got in the car, and started angry driving on the way out. You know what I'm saying? Like angry driving where every time that you get to accelerate, you do it as fast as you can. And then whenever you've got to slow down, you wait till the last possible minute and to make sure everybody in the car knows that I'm emotional right now, you know? <laughs> so he had that experience where he, was, where he was just emotional and just driving, and he started just unloading on his wife. And just saying how bad of a day it was and how frustrated he was about church and how worship was just awful. And by the way, she was the worship leader. And so that was not like a good thing to do. <laughs> and his, his son, who is nine years old at the time from the back seat, he just speaks up. He goes, Dad, don't let your bad Sunday affect my day. Listen, today, Jesus is in our back seat. And he's speaking up saying, hey guys, don't let your bad Sunday, don't let your bad days affect everybody else around you. You know, don't give them the worst of you. Make sure on your bad days to be sure that you've taken care of those near you. And some of you, you may be like, that's impossible. That I've been trying this church thing and you keep talking about things that really stretch me out of my comfort zone. That's not how I roll. And honestly, I've been doing life this way for so long, it seems impossible for me to change that. And so some of you, you literally, you hear that, you're like, that's great in theory, but that's really impossible for me to do. But listen to what the Bible says in 2 Peter 1.3. It says, by his divine power, 
God has given us, say this with me, everything that we need for living a godly life. That by his divine power, notice it's not based on our strength. It's not based on what we do. It's not based on us being good enough. That it's, it's based on his power, that God has given us everything we need to live for God. That week in and week out, the things that we talk about, that God has given you everything that you need to live this out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and even after we get out of here on Sunday, that you can do it because of his power that's working on the inside of you, that he's given you everything. Get this, God has given you every single spiritual resource for you and I, not only to just survive our bad days, but to thrive in our bad days. So the question today is how? How do I do that? What are some practical things that I can do to make sure that on my bad days, I'm taking care of those closest to me, that I'm actually treating my spouse well, even on my bad days, that I'm treating my kids the way that they deserve to be treated, that I, that I treat my parents the way that they need to, like those closest to me, my closest friends, how can I make sure that I take care of those near me, even on my bad days? Let me give you two very specific ways that I, that I feel like you and I can walk out of here and implement directly into our lives. Here's the first one, is that we can prioritize them. We can make them a priority in our lives. In John 19, Jesus is literally in the middle of the most important moment in human history. He's paying for the sins of humanity. But in this moment, he notices and prioritizes those closest to him. He puts them ahead of himself and his pain and his bad day. And I started thinking while I was studying this passage, think about the perspective of his mom, Mary. Some of you are parents in here, and could you imagine watching your son go through that? Just imagine putting yourself in her shoes and a mom seeing firsthand her son go through something so horrific and so heavy. But inevitably, I think that her mind would start to travel to this question. When he's gone, what's gonna happen to me? You see, because Jesus was her oldest son, and in that culture, the oldest son would take care of their mom, especially when they were a widow. And most scholars believe that at this time, Joseph was already passed away. And so it would have been Jesus's responsibility to take care of his mom. So Jesus, even in this agonizing moment on the cross, in a moment of uncertainty, he makes sure that his mom is taken care of. Instead of being selfish, he selflessly prioritizes those closest to him. And by the way, Christians, that's the Jesus that we're called to follow is somebody that even on your bad days, I'm prioritizing those closest to me. In fact, Jesus says this in, in Matthew 16 and verse 24, that if any of you, if any of you wants to be my follower, if you wanna follow me, you must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. But I think that most people are selfish when they experience a bad day. Can I get a good amen from the church? I mean, because I can tell you right now, when your boy is having a bad day, I want all the attention. You know, I, I, need, I, need, I need everybody to know. I need everybody to know that I'm having a bad day. I will throw a big old pity party. 
and you're all invited. I'll just invite everybody. I'll invite strangers. Hey, you want to come to this party I got going on? I, I got to tell everybody about what's going on, and you can pity me. You can tell me how awesome I am and what's go- great, you know. Uh, I want people that don't even know me to feel sorry for me, you know. And so, like, the truth is, like, I think most people are self, like, we're all prone to, like, this selfishness when we experience a bad day. And then the Bible has to go on and say stuff like this in Philippians chapter 2. Verse 4, abandon every display of selfishness. No! Possess a greater concern for what matters, not to me, but to others, instead of your own interest. So in this point, let me give you two specific ways that you can actually walk this out today. The first is this, and I'm gonna focus on two specific relationships that we probably have. The first is my parents become a priority when I honor them. And so write that down, but more importantly, let's make sure we unpack this a little bit. Because my parents, they become a priority when I honor them. In Exodus 20, in verse 12, this is actually the 10 commandments. This is God's top 10 list up there with do not murder somebody, literally don't kill, and things like don't have any other gods, okay? Like these are really, really important ones. And this is one of the 10 where it says, honor your father and your mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And then it says this in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter six, verses two and three, it says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that if you honor your father and your mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Now we have 10 values as a church and they've been referenced a few. It's really like our unique DNA. It's what we feel like makes us uniquely us. And this is actually one of our values as a church that honor is. And we say it this way, honor is our posture. That we always want to take the posture of honor as a church to each other, to our teams, to other people, to other churches, to people that maybe don't even believe the way that we believe that we're gonna choose to take the honor, to take the posture of honor that honors our posture. And let me just tell you that honor is saying, I choose to see you the way that God sees you. And respect is earned, but honor is given. And so some of you, you may be sitting there and you're thinking through the lens of your parents. And you're like, but Brian, what if my parents are the source of my bad day? What if the, some of the hardest things I've ever been through in my life are actually connected to, to my parents? And that, like, you, you don't even know my situation. Let me just challenge you to honor even when it's difficult, to honor even when maybe you don't agree. Because maybe you're sitting there, you're saying, so does that mean I have to obey every single thing? Like, and I, see, the, the Bible is very clear that when it comes to obedience, when it comes to that, that there's a shelf life on that. It's when you're living with them, it's when you're a minor, it's when you're under the care of, of your parents that there's an obedience at that level that comes to that. And so there's, it's, it's, it's not all the time, but honor, that's a lifetime commitment. It's never wrong to honor. It's, it's never wrong to say, I see you the way that God sees you. I look beyond your flaws, I look beyond your mistakes. And to honor, even when you don't agree, it's a lifetime commitment that you never outgrow honor. It may be hard, but it is always right. And it's never wrong to do the right thing. 
and it's always right to honor. And so let me give you an action step. Today, figure out a way how to honor your parents. So maybe some of the parents in the room are like, amen, I like this message. Preach, pastor, you know. Find a way. For some of you, that may need to be a phone call or a FaceTime. And you just need to tell them, mom, dad, I'm so thankful for you. I, I honor you for the way that, because if anything, you can honor them because you're here. Without them, you're not here. And so you, you, can, you can honor. You can say, thank you. Thank you so much for how you provided for me when I was young. Thank you for always making sure that I had these things. Thank you for showing up to my ball games. You know, you can honor. You can give thanks. Maybe for some, it's appropriate just to shoot a text. You're like, I don't know about the phone call thing, but maybe you can shoot a text. Maybe for some of you, it's not even interacting at all, but it's saying, today, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to thank God for my, for my parents. There, there, there's an action step for you that today you can do that, okay, to make the choice, I'm going to honor them. And here's the second kind of practical way that you can do that, is that my family becomes a priority when I pay attention to them. My family, they become a priority when I pay attention to them. And even on the day that Jesus was dying on the cross, he still didn't ignore his family. And let me tell you, there's no job, career, project, assignment, passion that you have in your life or ministry that supersedes your responsibility to your family. And so write down this principle because it's something that I've decided is that my family, it gets the best of me and everything else gets the rest of me. And I'm going to tell you right now, that even means you. Okay, I'm just going to have a little boundaries talk right now as, as, as your pastor, okay? I love you, but I love them more. And they're going to get the best of me, okay? My family gets the best of me, and everything else gets the rest of me. And I encourage you to adopt that as your own, because the truth is we often have this backwards, that we give our best to everything else, and then we give our family the scraps, and full disclosure, the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because I, I haven't always been great at this. That there's been times in my life where I've really gotten this all messed up and the depth chart of my life has been off. And I've messed up on this one many times. Years ago, when I was at an, another church, years before we started even the process of planning a church, I was, I, was, I was at a church, I was serving as an executive pastor. Things were going really, really well. And we were building the church and it was very successful. And I, was, I started leading and overseeing so many, so many different ministries and so many different staff members. First time in my life that I felt like all this momentum was starting to go, not only for the church I was in, but also my life and kind of my role in the organization. And so I, I was leading so much and God was doing so many cool things and but the truth is, like, at that time in my life, I felt like a professional plate spinner. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. But I felt like I was just a professional plate spinner, just keeping everything going. And it really scratched an unhealthy itch that was on the inside of me. And I liked it. But in the process, we had just had our first son, and I, and I was neglecting my home that I'd put ministry above my family, I'd put ministry above my marriage, I'd put ministry above me as a father, and I'd done all these things, and, and really I was, I was just out of balance. And one day during that season of my life, I was reading my Bible, and I came across this in 1 Timothy 3, 4 and 5, and it's talking about leaders in the church, and it says, he must manage his own family well. 
For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? Oh, man. And when I read that, I felt like God speak directly to my heart this sentence. If you can't take care of your family, then why should I trust you with mine? And it was, it changed me. And I made a decision. And I just encourage us as a church to make this, even if you don't have a family, that you can proactively say, you know what, when I do, man, my family, they get the best of me and everything else gets the rest of me. See, there's a lot of people who can do that job, make that sale, organize that budget, crunch those numbers, plan that project, manage those employees, lead that meeting, work those hours, but you're the only one that's called to be her husband. You're the only one that's called to be his wife. You're the only one that's called to be their brother and sister or their mom and dad or their son or daughter. You're the only one that's called to do that. And I've never heard of anybody on their deathbed wishing that they just worked a little more, wishing that they just had that one more meeting, like organized that one, that one more project. That, and, and just, I've never heard of anybody regretting spending a lot of time with their family. And so, listen, there's no one that's more anointed to lead your home than you. And let me just be bold and say that to the dads in here. There is nobody that is more anointed to lead your home than you. So, action step. Today, at some point, tell your family how much they mean to you. Tell them. And whether that's your mom and dad, whether that's brother and sister, whether that's your spouse, whether that's your kids, tell them how much they mean to you and how much that you want to prioritize them in your life. And maybe you might have to apologize. And you may have to, even to your toddler, get on their level and look them in the eye. Say, hey, buddy, I'm sorry if I haven't put you where you deserve. I want you to know how much I love you, how much I prioritize you. And just do that. Because I think that it would make an impact to those closest to us. So with those close to us, prioritize them. And then number two, Never give up on them. Never, ever, ever give up on them. In John 19, Jesus never gives up on those closest to him, even to the end. That's because love, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in verse 7, love never gives up. It never loses faith. Is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Another translation says, if you love someone, you will be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him, always expect the best of him, and always stand your ground in defending him. And the truth is, in a room this size, with this many people in here, I imagine that some of you are going through right now a bad day because of someone close to you. In fact, I know it's the case. Because yesterday, when we were at Saturday prayer, which we do this every single Saturday from 9 to 10, and so I encourage you, if you've never been, come hang out with us. I think that they have the address and the information right there of, or of, of when we do Saturday prayer, and we pray every single Saturday, ramping up to Sunday. 
and we invite God into our lives, into our weeks, into Sunday, because we believe that what we do on Saturday, it really affects what we do on Sunday, and we need God, and so we pray. But one of the things that we do there is we take, at the bottom of your connection card, there's a, there's a spot where you can submit a prayer request. And our team takes these very seriously. And I just wanna just say personally, if you've ever done that, thank you so much from the bottom of our heart for entrusting you with that. Because a lot of times what you entrust us with is your bad days. And bad days that maybe you're going through with somebody that you love. In fact, here's a few that you have submitted. And this, this one mom says, please pray for my son. He's far from God and we need him to find a path to be able to find God. Another says, my mom has been diagnosed with lung cancer. Will you please pray? And that's somebody that's so close to them, that's affecting them, that's affecting their day. Another one said, someone very close to me is overcome with heroin addiction. Please pray for God to step in where I can't and to bring strength and healing. And then the last one that I pulled out, it says, my marriage is on the rocks. I just need help. We need God's help to get us through this season. And so maybe you're here and somebody close to you is far from God or running from God. Maybe it's, maybe it's a child or maybe it's, it's a spouse or a, a very close friend. Maybe somebody that you know that you love so much is far from God. Maybe somebody that, that is close to you is struggling with addiction of some kind. Maybe somebody close to you is in the middle of like a life-threatening disease or maybe even just got things like cancer. Maybe for some of you, like right now, you're having so much conflict with somebody that's close to you. And maybe things have been said or things have been done and you feel like the relationship is broken or fractured. Maybe you and your spouse and you see it and you're getting more and more distant by the day. And they may be sitting beside you right now in church, but it feels like they're a mile away. Listen, no matter what's going on, especially with those closest to you, never, ever, ever give up. Whatever the situation is, don't give up on them. Don't stop praying. Don't stop pursuing healing. Don't stop seeking like restoration. Don't stop believing for a miracle. Don't, don't lose out hope. Don't stop believing the best. Don't stop doing what's right. Don't stop forgiving. Don't stop extending grace. Don't stop unconditionally loving. Don't quit. Listen, if you don't quit, you win. Don't give up. Don't give up. And in Galatians, it says this. It says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, get this, with that person that you love, at just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So never give up on those closest to you. And the truth is, we should never give up on them because God has never given up on us, ever. That when we realize that God has never given up on us, that no matter what we've done, that when it comes to our relationship with the people closest to us, we should never give up on them because we realize that God has never given up on us. That when you fully realize that God's never done that, man, it's really hard to give up on others. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter eight in verse 38 and 39. It says, so now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe 
with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death. Life's troubles, our bad days, fallen angels or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There's no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. And I know that when you come to church, you expect to hear that. You expect to hear somebody like me come and say, guys, listen, no matter what you've done, God loves you. And we've heard it so much over and over and over again that sometimes I believe our hearts can become numb to the fact that the creator of the universe loves you and that there's nothing that we can do that can make him stop. That God has one single relentless stance towards you and towards me. He loves us. That means no stupid mistake, no dumb decision, no period of rebellion, no overwhelming doubt or questions that you ask. No bad days, nothing can separate us from God's love. There's nothing that you've done. There's nothing you're gonna do. There's nothing that you're doing right now that could ever make God stop loving you. That God never has and he never will give up on you. And the truth is, that's what's so amazing about grace. Is that grace at the end of a day is a gift. You know, like when somebody gives you a gift, you really don't earn it. It's not like whenever you give a gift, you think through, okay, how'd that person, how'd my son do this year? He's turning seven and he did pretty good. So let's give him one gift. No, this year he did, he did three gifts worthy of presents. Okay. No, a good mom, a good dad. They just do it because they're their son, their daughter. It's because grace is a gift. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. There's nothing you can do that once you have it to take it away. In fact, what makes grace so amazing? You know that song, Amazing Grace? What makes grace so amazing? is the fact that it shouldn't even exist. That we don't earn it. That we don't deserve it. And that's why I want to make sure that as a church, we understand that grace is not something to achieve. That grace is a gift to receive. And I want to make sure that you understand this that it doesn't matter where you are in your spiritual walk, in your relationship with God, if you don't even have a relationship with God, if this is the first time you've ever stepped foot in a church, or maybe you did when you were growing up as a kid, and now it's like, I'm here. I want you to understand that no matter what you've done, no matter what, what the past looks like, no matter what you did last night, that God says, I love you. I will never give up on you. There's nothing that can separate you from my love. 
and here's grace. And what's so cool is about the gift of grace today that you have the ability that today this gift of grace has your name on it. This is for you. And today you can receive grace. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And we do this every single week. And I want you, before the rest of the day gets going and before it gets crazy, I just want you to right there in this quiet moment to just ask God, what are you speaking to me right now? What are you speaking to me? Maybe ask him, what does my response need to be to what you've talked to me about today? And like we do every single week, we wanna give you the opportunity to make the most important decision of your life, that decision to receive that gift of grace. And so no matter how far you are from God, you're never too far from God, that nothing can separate you from God's love, that he loves you and he's never given up on you. So today you can invite him into your life that right now, maybe here's the greatest question, is your relationship with God where it needs to be today? It's as simple as that. And so today, do you need to receive grace? And if you do, we wanna give you that opportunity. We're not gonna embarrass you. We're not gonna point you out. We're not gonna make you come forward or anything crazy, nothing weird. We're not gonna embarrass you in any way. But today, we wanna extend an invitation for you to receive the gift of grace. So if you need a fresh start, if you wanna invite God into your life, if you wanna make the decision to surrender your whole life and to start following him, if you wanna do that, I want you to boldly on the count of three to just raise your hand. Nobody's gonna be looking around. It's just a way for you to take a step and say, today, I wanna make that decision, whether it's for the first time or maybe you've made that decision in the past and you're like, I just wanna come back to God and I wanna make a fresh commitment. If that's you on the count of three, one, two, three, just raise your hand in the air. Today, I wanna make that decision. I wanna receive the gift of grace. That's awesome, that's awesome. That's great, that's great. Hands up, that's great. That's all. You put your hands down and just pray. Pray this in your heart. Maybe we could all just pray this in our heart. Just say, Jesus, thank you for grace. Thank you for the gift of grace. And Jesus, I need you. I've lived life without you and it left me empty and I can't and I need you. And I'm I'm sorry that I've lived life without you. Come live inside me. Change me. Will you make me brand new today? I surrender my whole life to you. I give you everything. And today I choose to follow you. God, we thank you so much for what you've done here and for challenge. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it speaks to us. Thank you that there's such practical applications in our everyday life. God, I pray that as a church, that our Monday is gonna be different because of what we experience here. We love you and we thank you. We celebrate what you're doing in our church. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com 
or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People. 